Thank you for tuning in to Timely and Timeless Truth Podcast with Danny Varghese. We hope and pray that you will be blessed by the hearing of the Word of God. Here is Danny Varghese with today's scripture meditation. You see, he was treated unfairly like a criminal. He was imprisoned for more than two years. He was in chains, possibly bound to a prison guard. But while imprisoned, he did four main things. Number one, he preached. Number two, he prayed. Number three, he wrote letters. And finally, he suffered. What if you and I were imprisoned and were given the chance to write a letter or two? The question is, who would we write to and what would we write about? Would we write to our loved ones, our family members, our friends? And would we write about our struggles, our pain, our misery, our suffering, our longing to be freed, to enjoy life again, etc.? The man that I just mentioned, while being bound in chains, he wrote several letters. Who did he write to? And what did he write about? He wrote to the different churches that he established and the believers in those churches. Let's look at a portion of the letter that he wrote. Let's read from that portion this morning. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Let me read it for you. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is a letter that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. And in the middle of this Ephesian letter, there is a prayer that we just read. And what does this prayer consist of? He begins by saying, for this reason. For what reason? When I think of all of this, what is he talking about? He's referring to the mystery of the gospel. And what is that mystery? The mystery is simply this, that it was an inclusion of all people. That the gospel broke down the wall of hostility between one another, it was the unfathomable, immeasurable grace of God that saved us from our sins and made us all into one. And that is the mystery that he's talking about, that Paul is referring to when he says, for this reason, when I think of all of this, he's referring to this mystery, this mystery of the gospel that included all of us, broke down the wall of hostility between one another, immeasurable grace of God that saved us from our sins and made us one in Christ. For this reason, Paul says, I bow 
my knees before the Father. He's bowing his knees and is praying to his Father. Remember that he is in chains. The Jews normally pray standing, but here is Paul in chains falling down to his knees. It's a posture that shows deep earnestness. It's a deep longing. It's a deep urgency for something. And what is the earnestly seeking God for? What is this prayer longing for? Let me ask you the question, how do we pray? Do we get down on our knees? I know I have gotten down on my knees, I've fallen down on my knees, fallen down on my face a handful of times in my life. And often it is because of the gravity of the situation. It's a desperate nature of the request that makes us do that, that makes me do that. So what is Paul on his knees pleading for? Paul here is now bound in chains, possibly bound to the prison guard, and he falls down on his knees, bows down, and he pleads for something. He's urgently seeking God for something. And who does he pray to? He says, I pray to my Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, from whom everything derives its name. Means that he is the ultimate Father, that God, the creator of the universe, who is sovereign over all things. To him, Paul prays. As a child who approaches his father, here is Paul, while imprisoned, in chains, he is coming to his father, God, and is pleading for something. And what is he pleading for? What do we often pray about? We often pray about the things that are on our mind. The things that are on our mind is what we often verbalize with people and certainly with God. If we are honest, our prayers are mostly for our physical, our material needs, needs of the self, job, home, wealth, health, and other things. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. The Bible does not restrict us from praying for those things. But what does Paul, while being imprisoned, pray for? This particular prayer convicted me of the type of prayers that I offer, of the type of prayers that I give to God. It reminded me that I often pray from the wrong end of things. I begin at the wrong end. You see, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said, look at the lilies of the field, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap. They do not know what is tomorrow, what is held for tomorrow, but God provides for them. Here, Jesus is teaching us a principle at the end of that particular teaching where he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. What we often do is seek after the all, after the everything that will be given to us, that will be given to me. And we end up with really nothing instead of seeking God and his kingdom first and then having everything added to us. That is focusing on the right end of things. That is the right kind of seeking, longing. That is the right kind of prayer. What does Paul pray about? In verse 16, he says that according to the riches of his glory, according to the riches of his glory, not out of the riches of his glory. There is a difference there. Suppose 
you were to ask a million dollars from a billionaire, that particular person, if he were to give you that particular amount, he would be giving according to the riches that he has. But if you were to ask me for a million dollars, it would be very hard for you to get it. If I even tried to get that amount for you, I would have to search. I would have to find, look, to see if my riches would enable me to do that. It's looking, it is out of my riches, not according to my riches. That is the difference here. So Paul says, according to the riches of his glory, and this is a specific prayer request, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. From his glorious unlimited resources, Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus, for the believers to empower them according to the riches of God's glory. We have to understand that there are two sides to us. There are two realms. There is the physical and there is the spiritual. Too often we are only concerned about the outside, about the physical, about what we see. So we pray for such things. Here Paul is least bothered about what's on the external and he's praying that your inner man be strengthened, that your inner being be strengthened through his spirit, through God's spirit. The question is, how do we strengthen our inner man? How do we strengthen our spiritual man? Well, how do we strengthen our physical man? We often Strengthen our physical man through our exercise, through our diet, the way we eat. Certain things help us maintain our physical man. What are some ways in which we can strengthen our inner man? It's certainly through the Word of God, through the reading of the Word of God. It's through fellowship with the saints. It's through the ordinances that we are taking part of. It's through prayer. Those are some of the ways in which we can be strengthened in our inner being. It means to work out our inner man, our inner being. What do we do by strengthening our inner man? What does it mean to strengthen our inner man? It really means to take an inventory of our spiritual being. It means to clean things up. It means to evaluate of what shouldn't belong there and what should our thoughts, our actions, our words. In other words, do what David did. You see, he was not a perfect man. He committed some serious sins. But God testifies of him this way as a man after my own heart. What a testimony. The question is why? Though he committed sins, what made him please the heart of God was essentially this. It was the kind of response that he had that is noted in Psalm 139 at the very end. And it's simply this. Search me, O God, and try me. Test me. See if there is anything in me that is offensive to you, that offends you. Search me, O God, and try me. Test me to see if there is anything in me that offends you, that is offensive to you, O God. That is a prayer in which 
He's trying to strengthen his inner man, strengthen his spiritual man. What a prayer. Can we pray that prayer? Do we pray that prayer? I believe it is important that we regularly pray that prayer that God enables us to see that which is offensive to him. David is essentially taking an active conscious step to clean up the potential mess that may be in his heart. There's a reason for this. There's a reason why Paul is praying that your inner man be strengthened. The question is, what kind of things do we need to do to remove or to arrange or to let go of so that Christ may make his dwelling in our hearts? That's what it says. I pray that you may be strengthened through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that's the purpose that Paul prays for the believers in the church at Ephesus so that Christ may have a dwelling place in your heart. You see, Christ will not and cannot coexist with that very thing that is against him or against his very nature or the very thing that he disapproves of. If I were to walk in your bedroom today, would you be comfortable enough to give it to me or give it to any guest that would come? Is it welcoming to the guests? Do they, can I feel at home when I come to your bedroom? You may ask at this point, or you may think, are you saying that we should be perfect or that we should have a perfect life? Not at all. That's not what I'm saying. After all, we are human. But what I am saying is simply this, that we should regularly have David's approach to his spiritual life. And that is asking God to search him for the purpose of strengthening his inner man clean up any mess that would potentially deter Christ from staying or making his dwelling within us. Strengthen your inner being so that Christ would make his home in, in us. Think about the greatest privilege we have where Christ wants and longs to dwell within us. He's the creator of everything that we see. He's the creator of of you and me, and he longs to dwell within your heart. And that is the greatest privilege that we can have in our lives. If our lives and if our inner man is not strengthened to the point where Christ is not able to dwell, is not able to make his home within us, then truthfully, that is our greatest loss. That is our greatest loss. You see, Paul being imprisoned in chains, his only desire at this point is that he and the believers at Ephesus specifically are strengthened in their inner being. Nothing else bothered him. Why? So that Christ would have his dwelling in us. Remember earlier I said he begins this prayer by saying, for this reason, for what reason? It's this mystery of the gospel that broke down the hostility broke down the wall of hostility between one another through Christ on the cross. So as a result, Christ dwells in each person, is able to dwell in each person to every heart that is welcome to him. Can he make his home in us? 
Can Christ make his home in our lives? And then he further goes on to say that you being rooted and grounded in love, you being rooted and grounded in love, in his love, in Christ's love. These are terms from, uh, from the gardener or botanist world. Why be rooted in his love? Because our roots determine what kind of fruits and what kind of tree we develop into. Our roots determine how strong and bold and unwavering we are in terms of our life in Christ. Think about the very trees in, in your home or around your home. The very large trees, even when the strongest storm hits, they don't move. Why? Because of their root structure. They go very deep in. Why be rooted in the love of God? Why be rooted in the love of God, in the love of Christ? 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 says this, For the love of money, not the love of God, for the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of God is the root of all good then. For the love of money is the root of all evil, then the love of God is the root, root of all good. And so it is important that you and I be rooted in the love of Christ, deeply rooted in the love of Christ. Paul prays that your inner man be strengthened so that Christ may make his dwelling in you and me. And also that you being rooted and grounded in love are now able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Where do our roots go down to? To what is it deep into? Why? So that we can understand, truly grasp the depth, the breadth, the height of Christ's love for us. There are some things we can measure, some things we cannot measure. Can we measure the love of Christ? Paul says here, so we know the degrees, the measurements of his love. Can we really know that? Can we really measure it? Can we quantify it? The answer is no, because it is inexpressible. It surpasses our knowledge. It's beyond our human comprehension. It is beyond our human finite minds. We all want to be loved. We like the word love. We even overuse it. Though all of this is true, what we normally, what we often do is this, and this is a sad reality, we neglect, we reject, and we undermine the greatest love of all. The love that has already been displayed on the cross. What kind of love is that? How much love is that? It is beyond measure. It is beyond numbers. It is beyond our grasp. And that's essentially what is noted in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, which is a familiar passage to all of us, but I want to read it for you. This is the depth, the breadth, the height, and the length of Christ's love for us. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 reads this way. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, 
and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, who though he was in the form of God did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why? Because he loved you and he loved me. That's the kind of love that Christ displayed on the cross. And Paul is praying that the believers at Ephesus and you and me would understand that. But it can only be understood if we continually strengthen our inner man where Christ dwells within us and we experience him and his love by him making his dwelling within us. This is the kind of love that Christ displayed. It is beyond our comprehension. It surpasses all knowledge. To know this kind of love that surpasses knowledge. It's not something that we can explain. It's not something that we can truly grasp. It is something that we have to experience. It's an experiential kind of love. We can know a bit of this love, head knowledge. But Paul is saying to go a bit further, to go a bit deeper, to experience his love, the experiential kind of love. When you experience this love, Paul says, all other love pales in comparison. In fact, every other love then is below this and is actually measured on the basis of this kind of love, on Christ's love for you and for me. And then Paul ends by saying, then you become full of something, become full of someone, you become full of God, you become full of Christ. In other words, you and I become spiritually mature. The question is, what are you overflowing with? What am I overflowing with? What are you full of? Because what you are full of, what you are filled with, is what you will spill, what you will display, what you will show. And so it is important to consider the state, the health of our spiritual man, our spiritual being. Having said all of that, Paul comes to a climactic point. And what does he do? Let's read. He says in verse 20, after saying all of that, at the end of his prayer, this particular prayer, he says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Paul here ends with what is called a doxology. What is a doxology? It's an inscription explosion of praise. It's an adoration. See, there is something that's called theology, which is the study of God or the knowledge of God. And then there is doxology, which is inscription or the explosion of praise, adoration. 
your knowledge of God ought to lead into a doxology. This is what Paul is doing here, essentially. His theology of God, or his theology, leads into an appropriate doxology. So then the question becomes, what is your knowledge? What is my knowledge? What is your understanding? What is my understanding of God? If it is a correct understanding of God, then naturally it will lead to a doxology. Does our understanding, does your understanding of God lead you to the point where you explode in praise, where you have an implosion of praise, where it's a moment of adoration of God? That's what Paul does even while imprisoned. He's able to praise, he's able to explode in praise because of his understanding of who Christ is, of who God is, and what God has done through Christ for the world. And that, again, is the mystery that he is being thankful for, which is the inclusion of all, which is the breakdown of the wall of hostility between one another, which unites all of us as one in Christ. And when he thinks of all of that, all he can do is praise God as he does here. This is what Paul knows. He knows this. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. It's sort of a pyramid kind of a statement. It's a buildup. It's a progression. It begins by saying to him. Then it says, to him who is able. Further down, he says, to, whom, to him who is able to do. Then he says, to him who is able to do far more abundantly. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Sort of like a pyramid, a progression of how he pictures Christ, how he pictures the love of God, how he pictures the nature of God. Maybe our situations, our circumstances, when you look at it, you may say, not sure if this particular statement applies. But we have to understand that God is often interested more in the process we can't bypass the process because the process is what God cares for than the ultimate thing that he's planning to give, which is also important, but the process is just as important because the process helps us to develop our patience, our faith, the characteristics that God is trying to develop within us. So I encourage you, as Paul does here, ask big things of God. Ask great things of God. But we can only understand the greatness of God. The love of God which surpasses all knowledge if only Christ is, is dwelling within us. And for Christ to dwell within us, our inner man has to be strengthened. Let me return to Paul's scene here. Think about it for a moment. Visualize this with me. 
How often do we pray such a prayer like this? Have we ever prayed such a prayer like this? What if our pastors, what if your church leaders, what if your parents, what if you and I started praying such prayers for one another? This is the kind of prayer that we need to pray for one another. And Paul is giving us an example of the kind of prayers that we need to pray. This is the most important kind of petition we can lay before God for our church, for our family, for our brothers and sisters and friends, is that your inner man be strengthened in Christ so that Christ may dwell in you, so that you may understand the depth, the breadth, the length, the height of his love, and ultimately come to a point of praise, an explosion of praise. I encourage all of you, I encourage us, the church, to pray such a prayer regularly, constantly, to make this kind of a plea for those that we are in community with, to make this kind of a plea for your family, for your children, for your friends. May God enable us to do that, as Paul is urging us, as he urges the church at Ephesus to do, to understand the depth of what Christ did on the cross through his death, and that is include every one of us, make a provision to include every one of us. We are the ones that create polarities. We're the one who creates divisions. But with the cross and through the cross, we are one in Christ. And Paul is asking us to remember that. Remember the oneness that we have in Christ. I hope these words have been a blessing to you. And I hope that you read this particular passage, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21, so that we can adopt this kind of a prayer in our daily Christian walk. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Let the word of God be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Have a blessed day. May God bless you.